0: Good afternoon and welcome to CineVision Leadership Foundations, Tuesdays at 2. We're certainly thankful that you've taken the time to join us this week. We are excited for another wonderful guest in our series that we've had, Tuesdays at 2, looking at the social benefit world. Last week we were thrilled to have Devin Thorpe with us, crowdfunding expert. And this week our, our uh, person that's joining us is so exciting because Cheryl Snap-Connor is an expert in the world of PR. And so we're looking forward to the conversation between Cheryl and Hugh. Before we get into that, we want to remind you about some important things when it comes to Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Uh, Next week, our guest is going to be Brian Sui. Brian is the author of Raise Your Voice, A Cause Manifesto for Nonprofits," So Brian will be with us in this time slot. Tuesday at 2 next week. We also want to remind you about Nonprofit Performance Magazine. You can receive your issue by going to nonprofitperformance.org. And our special guest today is actually a contributor to that first issue, so you can read Cheryl Snap Connors' great commentary in that one as well. And we also, as a reminder, every Thursday at 4 p.m., we follow up our Tuesdays at 2 with an extended conversation with everybody via the Twitter chat option. So you look for us at hashtag non-profit chat Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be talking about public relations and nonprofit organizations. We're so thankful to have you in. I'm Todd Greer, Executive Director, and I'd love to turn you over right now to my partner in crime, our founder of Centervision, QBaloo.
1: Hey, thank you, Todd. It's good to be here. It's good to be here with uh, a friend and an expert, a colleague. And yes, uh, first issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine, Professional Performance, and here's her article. And I first met Cheryl in December, and I met her as a contributor to the entrepreneurial channel on Forbes Online Magazine. And um, she wrote an article about me in December, and I was so impressed. We had a short interview, and she captured it all. Later, learned that she has this really good public relations company in Salt Lake City, Utah. Cheryl, welcome today.
2: Thank you, Hugh. It's great to be here.
1: Tell us, um, we're going to talk about PR today and I want to set the stage for those those folks that are watching today and will watch this in subsequent times. Um, What is PR and why do you do PR? What is your passion for this?
2: Well historically a lot of people have thought of PR as promotions and it does include that but really it's a much broader every aspect of communications particularly business communications is really an aspect of PR that every organization or individual ought to be thinking about and could give them a lot of strength that in most cases they're not currently using not using to their current capabilities everybody could be doing more than they're currently doing so um, we, we love to talk about it and give people advice on how they could be doing more than they're currently doing
1: every now and then we're having a bandwidth issue and I'm missing a word um, and it's just the uh, the curses of technology. Technology is great when it works. When and, it
0: works.
1: Yeah. So if I ask you to come back and repeat a phrase or something, please forgive me. I want to make sure that we don't miss out of one thing. So PR is not just promotion. Come back at that little piece again because that was a precious tidbit I want to capture.
2: Okay. Well, uh, an aspect of people's misunderstanding that PR is only about promotion is that they have to be profitable, thriving, and well on the path before they start public relations. And that's what they do to gain sales or to gain attendance at events. Um, It's really much broader than that. By the time people wait, if that's their only definition of PR, they've lost a whole lot of opportunity, perhaps even started out some paths that were not not, not optimal or maybe even negative. Towards the objective of their business, so the communications they start from the beginning. Um, It it really matters. It should be thought of all the way through.
1: I'm sure people that are watching this are wondering, uh, why is Cheryl Snap Connor qualified to talk about PR? What do you know about PR? (laughs) What do I know about PR? What makes you? I know you're good at it, but what makes you good at it?
2: I earned every one of my gray hairs. Whether you have seen them in this resolution or not, I've earned them all. I've worked in public relations since the beginning days of Novell, actually, technology company. Wow. So um, I was the lead PR resource for that company, served as PR manager. I was actually hired as a writer, promoted within 90 days to head that whole department, and um, headed Novell's public relations through the era that that company became prominent, made four acquisitions, had its IPO, and then when I left Novell, I actually continued to work with the company and many others in tech. So that was an entirely different challenge. It was the aspect of helping companies who were not in a market-leading position to become known, to become relevant, to even get off the ground. So it was the opposite set of challenges that we had there. And in the time sense, I've worked and my organization has worked with every size organization in between individuals, authors, speakers up to Fortune 500 organizations. Every communications challenge you could think of, we've probably dealt with at least a few times by now.
1: And I'll bet you there every organization is unique, it has its differences. I probably bet there's some constant principles that would apply to folks and um our, our audience today are, well, there might be business people on nonprofit and church boards, but we have, we have church and synagogue leaders, and we have uh, community organizations and nonprofits. Why is PR important? And we're giving this a title of social benefit because nonprofit is kind of a lie. We, we encourage people to make profit in these enterprises because that's how we, we do our work. We need some cash flow to do the good work. But people in this, this, this social benefit world, why is PR important in this world?
2: Well, nothing happens until somebody communicates an idea worth sharing and then shares it. So if the idea of the organization is to make an impact, communications is imperative to mm-hmm. that goal. And particularly in social benefit and especially in nonprofits, it tends not to be um, regarded as highly or as strongly as it should be. Or organizations mistakenly think that unless they've got a high-end PR agency hired, there's nothing they can do or it's dangerous enough they shouldn't get started. There's quite a bit they could do on their own and be more effective than they currently are in most cases.
1: Really? Yes. Really? Yes. I've, I've been on boards in the past, and that's why I decided I would help boards because somebody comes an idea, and who can write, okay, Susie, you send out this press release, and we're going to announce this event that's happening next week. Um, What's wrong with that scenario? It's a one-off and it's one week away. What's wrong with that scenario?
2: Well, you should have started far sooner and in honesty, all the mechanisms at your disposal for getting somebody aligned to attend an event, probably the press release is the worst aspect of that. If you think about what goes into a press release, it's evergreen. There's no eraser on the web. It's going to be there for months and years to come and if it only matters until this event next Wednesday, You've wasted precious space with a tool that is less than optimal for the outcome that you were looking for. So honestly, even if it's a webinar, sometimes it's tempting to put up a press release that says, come here about how to run a business like Steve Jobs. Well, that's going to be interesting forever, but make certain you've thought through the people who are going to be seeing that announcement months and months after this session has taken place. What's in it for them? How can you point them to the content? And if In that case, is the news that's the outcome of the event that will last forever.
1: Some news of the outcome. I had a little um, sound blackout um, there. So what I'm picking up here, and you said earlier that, that PR is about communicating. And in the world I work in, which is the people part, the leadership part, my my feeling and my experience is that, Communications is based on relationship, mm-hmm. so what I think I know about PR is it's cultivating a relationship over time. It's not by a one-off announcement, even though that particular example I chose was weak. So say more about. Am I right that we're creating a relationship with a, a campaign?
2: You absolutely are. Now, press releases, and as an example, uh, don't don't dismiss their value because they are a form of communications in which you control every word. That's a good thing. When you speak to the press and a reporter or even somebody in social media writes about you, they're giving their perception of what you said. They may like it. They may not like it. It may be a mixed bag. They may have even misunderstood what you communicated. That's a good thing in the form of creating engagement and dialogue and a vital conversation. Press releases generally don't start conversations, but they document news. Think of them more as being the due diligence for your potential participant or customer that's going to stand there and if somebody's heard of you from some other, some method, however they heard about you, they're going to run a, a Google search next. They're going to figure out what's about you. Is this as credible as it sounds? Have I formed the right impression? Are they newsworthy? That's where they form the impression. So you ought to even think about that when you write an announcement that, um, what would I tell my best friend? What would somebody want to read, not just hear me wanting to see said about myself and my organization? So bear that in mind. That's an aspect of real dialogue and communication to to think about as you put a press release in place. But the relationship is going to come more from um, engagement. It would be your social media platforms. It would be your blog. It would be the comments, the dialogues. If some of the posts that you put up are the result of conversations or comments with those individuals. That's a plus. That's going to engender that relationship and partnership and keep it growing over time, where a simple press release would not. So you really need both vehicles, but use the right vehicle for the right outcome.
1: The right vehicle for the right outcome. Yes. Now, in this whole program, I'm going to call it, this whole strategy of communications, public relations, I think I'm hearing you say you're, you're building an image for an organization. You're, you're defining you know, what's going to happen, the impact of their work, and it has different component parts over time. And so sending one off isn't going to do it, whether it's a webinar or a, a press release. It's, it's activity over time. is speak about how long we have to be committed to something for a period of time in order to be able to get some traction. And I believe that sometimes people give up just before they will succeed. So talk about being committed to a whole strategy.
2: Well, you bring up a good point that I'd like to, to lay out for the, for the foundation of any kind of a program. Think about the messaging first. We can provide a template or we provide messaging to people, but in any respect, if there are maybe 10, 15, 20 locations or individuals who are influential enough that if they write about you or you appear in those publications, it's high credibility. Well, before you approach any of them, think about the message. Think about the aspects of it that you want to tell. If you had that reporter in the elevator for 10 seconds, what would you say? And how would you want that communicated for outcome overall? Generally speaking, if you appear in the press in two or three, or preferably even more, of the optimally credible places where you'd like to appear, you've moved the needle. People's perception is that you're everywhere. But what you really need to do in addition to that is make certain that the message you communicate is consistent, that it's the optimal one for your organization, and that it's consistent. If you even manage to get into all of this press and the message is conflicting or it isn't as strong as you could make it, that's a net negative. So you would be wasting a resource if you didn't think about the messaging thoroughly first. Then, from there, Go ahead. Did you want to say something to you?
1: No, I'm just um, thinking of other things. This is really good. Go ahead. Excuse me.
2: Okay. So you're thinking about the messaging first. Then think about the mechanisms that you're going to use to engage with the community. And first off, who are they? Who is your optimal audience? If you go out to everybody, you've got a big task at hand, and it's going to be less optimal than if you figure out where are the sectors of people who most care about the, the message, the community, the alignment that you have. Reach to those pockets and those communities first. Figure out where they communicate, how they like to be communicated with. For example, if it's um, truck drivers, maybe they don't even have email. What publications do they read? Maybe there aren't any. If they're not on social media, what are you going to do? It may come down to needing to send them something physical in the mail. Think about what would drive them, what would inspire them, what would help them, what's the kind of information they genuinely want to receive that would teach them something new or give them an insight. That's your first ticket and then as you send or decide whatever these mechanisms are they've got a call to action or a way for people to communicate back to you and then really do it. Don't leave that as an open-ended invitation and not follow through truly engage with these individuals and let their responses and their dialogue really help to dictate what it is that you do. Make certain that you're answering their needs, their interests, their concerns, and now you've got a relationship over time. Um, Incredibly, we have clients who feel like if I get tier one press within three weeks of my product's appearance, that should be it. My job should be done. It should generate all kinds of traffic to my site. That converts. That's your job. That isn't the job of PR, but PR certainly is the credibility and the opening of that window and opportunity to get the longer-term relationship in place.
1: Long-term relationship. Yes. And based on value, um, I've heard heard so many nuggets in there. One that kind of went by quickly was you had 10 seconds in the elevator with a reporter. What would you say? And um, I remember in the old days, I took a press release down in the St. Pete Times in Florida. I had an event, and the guy said, you know, there's a problem with the ending of this. I said, what do you mean there's a problem with the ending? And he said, it's too far from the beginning. <laughs> so um, we don't need to tell people everything. And one of the, the, the points in what you said is to key, uh, key in on an essential message. You want, to, you want to say a little more about that piece? Because we... We tend to want to bury people with everything and maybe everything gets lost and they just put it aside.
2: Well yes, you do. You bury people with everything and we really, really tend to do too much self-promotion. That's not interesting to the reader and that's a form of burying them too. For example, when you send a press release, how would a reporter write this message? It would be very black and white, just the facts. There would be no glowing superlatives. Maybe there's a quote in there, and a quote is an editorial opinion. That's where somebody can say, here's what this means and why it matters, why you should care. That's okay within that quote, but the rest of the information should be very straightforward. People sometimes complain, this sounds too bland. How can somebody get excited? Well, they can, and they're going to be getting a lot more excited if it answers their need, even if it's in simple, straightforward language without all of the adjectives. Or the message at the end of the press release, we call it the boilerplate. It should be perhaps just two to three sentences long. Think about that increment saying just the basic facts. What company is it? Where is it based? What does it provide? How do I get it? Is it bigger than a bread box? So many companies and organizations put something out and fail to include these basic facts, and I'm left wondering, is it software, hardware, some of both? Do I pay for it as a subscription, or is it going to cost $100,000? I don't know if this is in my league. So all the revolutionary problems it solves for me, I don't even care about because I don't know if it's even available to me. So, so think about that.
1: How do we – is there a standard – this boilerplate that you talk about, uh-huh. Uh huh. is that like a checklist of the essential items that ought to be in a press release? or?
2: Absolutely every press release, in fact if you wire post a press release, as you should, if there's no boilerplate, the wire service is probably going to call you up and say, what are you thinking? Make certain you've included this. They may call it just the basic information at the end that tells people about your organization and how they're going to reach you, how can they follow up, but think about in that two or three sentences. One sentence just says in black and white terms, what is it? What problem does it solve? How do I get it? The second sentence might give you a global view that says taken to its grandest fruition, how might the world be different as the result of this solution? And what is its promise? What's its longer-term value proposition? That's not over-promising. It's telling somebody what your vision is for what this could mean, what you hope that it will mean over time. And that's fair now that you've straightforwardly told somebody what is it and how do I get it? How can I find out more information?
1: And that's what you call the boilerplate.
2: A boilerplate.
1: And that goes at the end? At the end. What goes at the beginning?
2: Well, you should try to tell within that very first several sentences of the press release who, what, when, where, why, and who cares. <laughs> so, and, and that's a lot to accomplish. The ideal first sentence in a press release is 24 words. That's not very many. And that 24 words includes the name of the company and maybe a little descriptor about what the company is. So that's an awful lot to accomplish very quickly. But think about this. While it's a great thing that SEO and PR have somewhat converged, you need to write a press release through SEO eyes and glasses. The most valuable SEO space in that press release is the headline, the subhead, and the first 149 characters. That first sentence in there. So the keyword should be in there. Their company name should be in there. Sometimes people forget. Think about the fact that the headline of that press release, once it fits in a Google search result box, you've got 64 characters. Within that much space, you need to give the company name, the keywords, what it is that you do, and have it be compelling enough that people know if they want to click in there and read it further or not. That's a, that's a task. That's a lot to accomplish.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, earlier, you mentioned the idea of moving the needle. Uh, a question comes up from one of our viewers, and they said, given what you're talking about, what is um, an example of somebody who's moving the needle, okay, who's moved the needle, and then also what would that look like? How would you craft that impactful message within a nonprofit? Okay. Well, think about the biggest
2: goal that your organization has, and uh, in, in the terms of business leader Clayton Christensen, what is the job we are hiring this PR to do? If our dreams came true, how would PR help to advance this company's mission and challenge? What is it that you are trying to do as an organization, and currently, what are your biggest barriers to it? Those are always questions that we as a PR team ask or a PR team should ask before they talk about getting you visibility in front of the press. What's your business's goal and how are you hoping PR will help you accomplish that goal? So it might be that if we are working to make a change in a certain sector that we can point to measurable easily found evidence that this is the case. And that we are we're the ones poised to accomplish this goal and that we are accomplishing it. That might be in the size of the community that's activated with you. It might be in terms of revenue goals that allow you to accomplish certain certain mission and goals of your organization, such as constructing a new facility or building. How far you get along that path might be a goal that you want to move the needle on and how many people engage and how quickly. There are all kinds of metrics that we can look at. The number of repostings of a release, all kinds of things that help to, to measure are we effective or ineffective. Ultimately, it's going to be, though, the success of your organization.
1: And Are those, um, those metrics uh, something you have in mind when you design a PR campaign?
2: Um, generally so. And and there may be varying kinds of metrics that matter most to the organization. And we really try to ascertain what they are and give some good counsel before we ever begin. For some organizations, for example, a mortgage company that survived the economic meltdown miraculously and is growing and thriving again, for that organization, it's getting the right message out to enough viewers that we could justify the program's budget in metrics such as equivalent ad value. That's not one of my favorite metrics, but it's one that we sometimes use. That if the space that we obtain in the various publications or programs were purchased as ad space, what would the cost be? And how do we accomplish that goal more economically and more broadly and better through editorial earned media content? So that's, that's one metric. If you're fundraising, are you reaching your goal, and do you have enough participants involved to reach that goal? That might be another metric. If it's just a straightforward press release, did it get enough repostings and engagement, and how many publications have looked at it and, and maybe reacted as a result? That might be a metric that we look at, but it just depends on the organization and the goals, and we will always make recommendations for the, the good and better ways to, to measure the result of your actions.
1: It. It. Uh, you've spent um, a lifetime um, developing this this expertise and knowledge base, and I'm sure you've had to update it as <clears throat> as systems have changed. You probably started before we had so much internet, um, although very not, not much before that because you're not as old as I am. Um, go back to when you were talking about uh, creating the the keywords and the headlines, and there's there's probably one person in the world that doesn't know what SEO means and they're probably listening to this they probably have a typewriter. Um, So give us a little more nuance on that, fill in the blanks a little bit about what SEO is and why it's important in this this area.
2: So search engine optimization SEO is uh, a science that really really matters to organizations because anything that you're doing online Is going to be more effective by virtue of the fact that it's easily found and that it rises to the top of the search results. Now, an aspect of search engine optimization, or SEO as it's called, is Google AdWords. So, when you see the ads that pop up along the side of any search result page, that result is called pay-per-click advertising. And it goes along, sometimes, with a program that you engender. It just depends on the nature of your company and the goal. For some companies that's highly effective, for others it really doesn't matter much. But regardless, for every company, the higher you appear in the main search results of a page and the more accurate and thorough your message is in those appearances, the more compelling, that's something that's really a high goal of public relations. If people find you, that main part of the search result page is high credibility. We have really ascertained through multiple data sources that you are more compelled by the results you find on the internet, the opinions, the reviews of those so called experts or other consumers than you are even by your own family and friends. So that evidence needs to be out there and it needs to be compelling and accurate when it appears. So, for example, if you, Hubaloo, are a contributor and a columnist on topics that pertain to the goals of your organization, how easily found are you? Or if somebody is looking for the nature of organization, if they look for a social enterprise, or if they look for nonprofits, or if they look for a church oriented organization, generally people are searching on two or three word terms and Google has gotten savvy Google's gotten smart about that. they recognize that so you don't you no longer have to have those words appear in any certain order for Google to produce a result and it used to be that you would want to try to tag those words and point them back to your website. Even that has changed over time and you're right Hugh the rules are changing every day now those are somewhat viewed as gratuitous links and really Google only wants to see now anchor links. The name of your company linked to the homepage of that website is okay, and have that company name come up in the context of meaningful information, not to have it thrown in there just as, guess what, I got a link on a high-ranking site, this is good, and people, I, I saw something happen in somebody's marketing campaign that just slayed me. They were bragging about 10,000 views on Reddit, when I looked at the Google Analytics behind this, those viewers from Reddit were on the site for seven seconds or less. Obviously, they've been tricked. They landed, sure enough, those are counts, but not counts that pertain to anything that advanced that company. That's so, for another source, there were maybe 3,600 people that arrived on that company's website, but they were people who stayed for two and a half minutes. So they actually knew why they were there and there was information they wanted to receive and examine and consider and go through multiple pages once they arrived. So all of this matters and it's all a function of SEO. You could get press. You could start a scandal and get press. It's not really helpful to your cause, but if people who are willing or looking to engage in the kind of opportunity that you offer find you readily. That's good search engine optimization, and that's one of the goals of PR.
1: I want to explore two more topics. you know what do we do that creates negative impact and social media? but let's before I do that, see it, Todd, do you have any more questions that have come in?
0: I don't, but I do want to briefly summarize. Uh, Cheryl presented us with five specific things, and I think this is really important for us to hear. sometimes we need that organization to think through it. You talked about messaging, mechanisms, audience, specifically how does that audience communicate, a call to action, and follow through. That's really important for us to think about because we we generally think about a a one-off, as Hugh mentioned, or even a, a, a scatter approach to our PR. But it's important for these things to be working together with an organizational strategy. So I really just wanted to come back to that. And, uh, and, and make sure that everybody's understanding that framework that Cheryl's laid out for us.
1: And she uh, also had talked about, uh, thank you for that time, um, targeting who you want to influence. Um, so Cheryl, um, there are things that people do that create negative results. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's through the, the formal PR, but is lets, is social media part of PR too? And do we Absolutely.
2: It and I would maintain very strongly there are no longer the days that you can be a separate person on PR and in business. They are so intertwined. It's just flawed thinking to think you can live one way on social media and pretend to be somebody else when you put on your suit and go into work. It's the same person. There are people who've lost jobs over things that they've said and done on social media that they that I was only joking, or it was just my personal opinion, or I didn't know anyone was there who was watching. I didn't know they were going to post it. You just can't afford to live that way anymore. I do see some advantages in that. It's a better way to live in the first place. If you're authentically the same person at all times, it sure makes things simpler. Mm-hmm. And those are maybe some additional incentives to be more authentic and to live with more integrity in the first place. But um, it's a joke when people say, you know, I want to be on the front page, and I tell them, well, we could start a scandal. You'll get there real fast. It's not beneficial. But losing your temper, um, not thinking through what it is you hope to achieve and whether this is the best way to get there before you respond to somebody, especially in a public forum. There's a viral piece of video on YouTube of a PR person who got so frustrated at a heckler in the audience, he finally beat the guy up. And, of course, it was captured on film. And his boss said, you could have showed more restraint, were the final words before the fellow was canned. He was fired. So the things you think are just funny, or you're just among friends and having fun, or you're you're speaking in the heat of a moment, or sometimes people on the spot feel like they have to answer something right away, and the first thing they blurt out is regrettable. So all of these things are are matters that you need to think through, especially since your personal brand and your organization's brand are intertwined. Both are necessary, and in many respects, you should consider them one and the same.
1: I'm wondering how many of our colleagues in the social benefit world even have thought seriously about the brand image, the brand um, message, the brand promise. Those are all integral in what you're Talking about, aren't
2: they? They are, and it applies to your team members, to your employees as well. For example, one of the major banks in Salt Lake City had a terrible scandal some years ago. Their CFO got into some legal trouble. He was—he had a Corvette. He liked to date young girls. He was wearing leather pants, license plate ecstasy parties that the neighbors were complaining about. And then one day, uh, his his 19-year-old girlfriend and his 19-year-old daughter, there, there was a 911 call and, and an emergency. The 19-year-old girlfriend nearly died of a drug overdose, and, and the daughter was there in the situation too. That scenario affected the company greatly. It was not their fault. They didn't espouse any of this. All of these activities that happened on that executive's personal time, the executive ended up having to leave the state and get into another line of work and go by a different name over time. But all of these things are issues we need to think about. Fortunately and fortunately, it all matters. It affects the company's brand.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. Not
2: only PR.
1: Okay. Now, it takes a lot of PR to counteract stupidity, doesn't it?
2: Yes, it does. <laughs> There's no upper limit on stupidity.
1: Uh, so we, we, we have um, lots and lots of very small religious and community organizations they have very very limited budgets and they want to try to do stuff themselves. Um, is there a way to engage some sort of agency? You have a pretty high level agency with a number of experts that, that work in that culture with you. Um, is there a need for um, these social benefit organizations to have expertise or can you do it all yourself? Well, how do you define a program and what are the principles around that?
2: Well. It depends on the organization. Some organizations are naturally savvy or they can be and if that's the case then then good for you. Get some good counsel whether you get that out externally or somebody qualified comes into your organization or you hire an agency. All of these things are options. But to, to simplify matters, here's something that I like to tell people to bear in mind. There are three things that you can put into the world via the internet or in the world of internet that you control and they're outgoing and those would be press releases social media and blogs or guest posts those are things that you control they promote engagement they are things that you can proactively do and if you do them well they can benefit great returns. Two things that the internet brings back to you are brand mentions and reputation those are the things you can influence but you can't 100% control and they matter greatly to your successful outcomes. And then number one is that message or strategy position. Make certain that you're prepared with an appropriate message and foundation before you begin. So I would say create that messaging. Do it by yourself or with help if you need to, but create that message, that foundation. Then get a policy in place for your organization that says, who will speak? How will they speak? What is our policy regarding employees who blog? who participate in social media. Should they identify themselves as part of the organization or should they not? What are our rules and guidelines so that everybody has really operating guidelines? A lot lot of the mistakes that happen are innocent or, or did not even contain bad intent or somebody felt like they were defending their organization by standing up and speaking in front of the press. So give them some guidelines to work from. And from there, if you have enough initiative and good skill within your organization, go for it. Do it within your organization and just use outside counsel as sparingly as you need to. Maybe by the hour. Maybe that's not enough. If you've got a large global or national organization and you need to think about major initiatives, um, maybe you do need an agency. Maybe you need a big agency. Those kind of things can have high impact. So, So there's the full spectrum there. But there are guiding principles that come into play regardless of where you are on that continuum, even if you're doing it all by yourself.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's a that's a foundational piece. Yeah. How do we make decisions on behalf of this organization? And I would I would guess that the vast majority, very few that I've ever encountered, even have thought about guiding principles, and, and some don't even know what they are. And you've until listened- they
2: get burned, until they have a mistake.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then they blame it on somebody else. Uh, you've listed a fundamental strategy that I use with organizations that's really key to help minimize, you've got to have conflict where you got people, but to help minimize that, especially in this world where news travels so fast mm-hmm. that you want to make sure that you manage the information, and manage how people make decisions in their personal time. But if, you know, a Facebook page that says where you work, so whatever you do is going to reflect on the organization. So we're we're in an information age that news travels so fast. Now you write a column on Forbes. That's where you and I first connected in the entrepreneurial world. We were at CEO Space, which is a, a business a growth conference. And and I would guess Cheryl that there's some commonality with uh, entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a great idea because I have a great idea and I have great this great vision. I just assume everybody is going to jump on board and, and buy my product or buy my service. And I would guess, and, and a lot of the, the community-based organizations that I work with, we've got this compelling vision. Surely people will give. Surely people will volunteer. I bet you there's some common traits with the entrepreneurial world and this the community nonprofit. What do you say?
2: Absolutely very much common and in fact one of the things that I'm glad you bring it up or that I'm I'm just compelled to share as we're having this conversation is that so many socially conscious organizations still even with their altruistic motives are coming at their solutions from a foundation of me first mm-hmm. we've got the answer we want everybody to join and support our foundation our organization we're the one that matters, and so they're like competing entities, and there's a little bit of an irony because their purported mission is to help, but if they could align better together, and that's like, that's like for-profit organizations as well, if they would align better, they would be better off, that the world doesn't always have to start from one individual, this is me, this is my program, this is how it works, we're altruistic, we're out to change the world, but only with us at the center and through our methodology. So I, I think that that's that's a good lesson that all organizations can learn, but is especially opportune to the religious and nonprofit side of organizations, to the social, to the social side of entrepreneurship. That you need partners. We all need to engage together. There are things that can advance the world that involve us all and won't be centered on us alone, as we get there.
1: Perfect. Um. What I learned from one of our colleagues that you've just recently met in Salt Lake City, Garrett Gunnarsson, um, he teaches people about how money works and his continuum is you have mental capital. That's about what you're talking about. We have something that's so important and it's going to solve the problems. But you also said that we don't need to toot our horn or sell too hard. He says we got this mental capital, we build relationship capital and I think this is where you play. We're, we're creating relationships. To me, social media creates relationship capital. And so we're taking information, building capital relationships, then we build donors, then we build sponsors. So it's this piece in the middle that that folks want they want to go, this is important, would you get? Rather than let's talk about this build relationship, let's have dialogue, let's get to know each other. Let's talk about the importance of the results, and then we can talk about the impact of their donation or their sponsorship um, at at the other end. I'm perceiving that the piece that you bring in that middle space, which is the big space, how do we create relationships with people that matter, and how do we create over time? And by the way, we were trying to get attention in a very noisy marketplace, very noisy world, so having a Compelling message that's very carefully crafted and delivered with precision is so key. Um, so I really, I'm, you've given us an immense amount of data, and so this is recorded. And people, if they send in questions to us, may we forward those questions to you and let you respond to them? Yes, and you people, may. If people want to read things that you write. They could, they could Google. You mentioned Google before. They could Google Forbes. And Cheryl Snap Connor, and they would find your articles. Yes, actually, you, can,
2: you yeah. follow them, so you'll get a ping every time I put up a new post. And send suggestions, send ideas. A number of my columns are the outgrowth of things people have suggested in comments or emailed and proposed to me.
1: Yeah, and even 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 as entrepreneurs, there's some things that all leaders can learn from in, for any organization. And your agency is uh, Snap Connor Agency. Is that what's the URL? for?
2: Snap-Conner PR. SnapConnor.com.
1: Snap com, and there are things they can learn about you. Yes. I'm going to throw it back to Todd here to close us out. Before that what's a tip or a thought that you would like to leave people with? What, what final thought you want to give people as we finish this? Well,
2: one of my very favorite thoughts is it was said to me by an individual I found highly inspiring. He has passed away now, but the wheelchair athlete Kurt Brinkman. I had the honor of getting to write his life story with him, which he published in a book, but he said to me one time, Cheryl, there are people who watch things happen, there are people who make things happen, and there are people who stand there and say, what happened, so which kind are you? He said, I'm somebody who makes things happen. I considered it the highest compliment ever received, and I would pose that same question back to the listening audience here. Which kind of person are you? Are you somebody who makes things happen? I suspect that the majority of your listeners are, or they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be interested.
1: Absolutely, and, and getting to know you over the last uh, eight, nine months, you are indeed a person who makes things happen. So when you say it's going to happen, um, I learned that let you know, get out of her way. She's going to make it happen. So thank you so much. This is such a rich, uh, rich content that you've given us today, so many good ideas. Thank you so much. I know we could probably talk for days on this topic.
2: And probably we will, but we won't subject your audience to that.
1: Right now my brain's full. this is great stuff. And so I'm going to take it back to Todd and let him uh, close us out today. Thank you, Cheryl.
0: Thanks, Cheryl, thanks you. Uh, if you would like to connect with Cheryl, if you'd like to follow her, you can follow her on Twitter at Cheryl Snap. If you look at the landing page, centervisionleadership.org, the Tuesday at 2 tab, you'll find out how to follow her on Forbes, you'll find out how to follow her at the agency, you'll find out how to find her on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, because we think it's important for our audience to be able to understand who it is that we're bringing in. As an organization, we try to be very transparent so that you can see that these are people that are highly credible in the field that you're living and working in. And so that's really important to us. And so Cheryl, thank you so much joining, uh, for joining us our Tuesday at 2. It's been such a blessing. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation. If you're interested in public relations, if you're a nonprofit, a church, and you're wanting to know a little bit more, join us Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time in our hashtag nonprofit chat. You can find that and follow it on Twitter. Tweetchat.com, you can find it there. It's an opportunity for us to extend the conversation to the next level, for us to be able to engage with you and you to be able to put forward to an audience some thoughts that you have in there as well. As always, want to encourage people to check out nonprofitperformance.org. It's a great place to be able to find information that impacts your organization. And as we mentioned earlier, Cheryl Connor is one of our contributors for Issue 1. You can read about her information there about business communication. Again, next Tuesday at 2 p.m., Brian Sui, author of Raise Your Voice, A Cause Manifesto, will be our guest. We are excited to continue this series, excited for you to be along with us, and we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day, and and check back in, centervisionleadership.org. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.